Well, good morning, church, and thank you for joining us for Church Online this week. I'm not sure if you're watching this Sunday morning or Sunday night, but whenever you're watching this and wherever you're watching this, thank you for joining us for Church Online this week. Uh, we're not meeting together in this room as we typically do uh, because of what's going on in the world right now in regard to COVID-19. We want to be good neighbors and we want to love our community well. So for right now and for maybe the next few weeks to come, we're not sure, uh, we're going to be uh, doing Doing this, having church online and making these resources available to you. And so I know that today we have people gathering at homes all across DFW. There are people in different parts of the country and really even in different parts of the world uh, watching us online today. So wherever you are and what, whenever you're watching this, thank you for joining us and for being a part of what God is doing in this place, in our church here at, at Riverside. Um, we want you to know that in these days to come, uh, and we'll let you know each week kind of what we're going to be doing here, but as long as we're having church online in this format, we'll provide for you a sermon video each week. There'll be a communion video uh, you can access, as well as a worship playlist you can take advantage of. We want to do everything we can uh, to stay connected to each other and to remember that while this is a time we are practicing social distancing, this is not a time for spiritual distancing. Uh, we want to make sure that you are taking time to draw close to God and to stay connected to each other. And so uh, I want you to think about that, especially in the days to come. Uh, this is a time for us to, to keep talking, to check in with each other, to text, to, to make phone calls, to, to make sure we are staying connected. And, and I know that over the next few days and, and maybe even weeks, uh, there will be needs within this church. Uh, there will be needs within our neighborhoods and our communities. Uh, different people different people have different kinds of needs. I'm thinking about uh, our older people who, who may need help with groceries. I'm thinking about uh, young families with children who should be at school, but now they're at home and yet they've got to go to work. There's going to be different needs arising within this church and with our, within our community. So I want to ask you as a church, let's, let's stay connected to each other. Let's stay connected to our, our neighborhoods and to our communities. And let's look for ways to help each other and look for ways to serve each other. And if you become aware of a need that may be greater than you can handle on your own, please feel free to reach out to, to anyone on our church staff, uh, reach out to any of our, our elders, and we would love to know about those needs and see if there's a way that we as a church can respond uh, during during this time. Uh, we know that this is a time, a unique you know, time in the life of our church, in the life of this world. Um, but we also believe that God is God, that he is good, that he is in control. And God's people will continue to gather, uh, to worship, to find ways to express our love for him, and to love and to care for each other. Uh, we've been in a series that we've called This Is Love over the last several weeks. And today, today we were supposed to end that series, but we're actually going to continue this series because I'm not sure what's going to happen next week or the week after that. We'll, we'll see what happens. But today we want to continue talking about what does it mean for us to love God and what does it mean for us to, to love each other well. If you were here last week, we talked about this idea of fear. And if you weren't here last week, I would, I would love to encourage you to go back and to either listen to that message or to watch that message online. There's a lot there for us to think about and consider, especially in these days when there seems like there's a lot to be afraid of. Today, what I want to talk about, though, it's not what I plan to talk about, but in light of what's happened over the last 24, 46 hours, um, I, I think it's a good time for us to lean into this idea again, but maybe from a different angle. And what I'd like to talk about today is this idea of trust. And what does it mean for us to trust in, in these 
these days. And I want to start with this question. Do you believe that God is God? Do you believe that God is God? And if you do, do you believe that God is good? I don't know if you remember the first time you felt afraid. Maybe as a little kid you were scared of the dark, or maybe when you were small you were scared to be alone. Maybe you still have some of those fears even, even now. I remember, I remember when my son was little. Now he's a teenager, so this is no longer a real issue for him. But when he was, when he was little, I remember taking him to get his, his very first haircut. And we went uh, to the barber shop, and we walk in there, and, and they ask him to get up in the chair so they can cut his hair. And he was like, uh-uh. No way. I don't remember how old he was. Maybe he was one or two years old. He was a little guy, very first time to get his hair cut. And he had no desire to get in that chair and let some stranger take a pair of scissors to his hair. And, and I guess if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because it hurts if someone pulls your hair. So isn't it logical to think that it would hurt if someone cut your hair? I, I think that's what was going on in his mind. And he had no desire whatsoever to get up in that chair and let that stranger take a pair of scissors to his, to his head. Until, until I said, all right, let's, let's do this. How about, how about I go first? Let me get in a chair. Let me let this, let this person cut my hair and let you see how this works. And, and that's what we did. I got in the chair. The barber put that apron across me and, and started you know, spraying my hair down and taking the scissors and cutting my hair. And my son saw, okay, this, this isn't as scary as I thought. There's actually no pain involved at all. And whenever I was done... It was his turn. And he was still a little nervous, but he wasn't afraid. And he got up in that chair and he got his hair cut. Why? Because he had seen his father go before him. What, what happens to us when we become afraid? What happens to us when there's a crisis? How do we React. What happens for us in these moments in life, when there's a crisis like we're facing in this cultural moment, what happens to us? What, what do we feel? And how do we make it through these days that are ahead? I was thinking about um, the past few days and how people have, re have reacted to the coronavirus just over, over the past week. And, and I don't know about you, but it seems like whenever something like this happens, whenever there's a crisis like this that occurs, uh, people generally fall into two categories, right? Uh, people tend to either uh, underreact, and, and I'll confess, this is where I was. Uh, a week ago, I, I, was, I was underreacting to the crisis that is, that is facing us today. And I'll confess that was largely because I had not educated myself on what was happening around the world and how this virus was affecting people in other countries. I, I just simply was unaware. I didn't know what I didn't know. And because of that, I wasn't worried. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't anxious. I was completely underreacting to the situation. That's, that's what's happening for some people. A lot of people, of course, don't underreact. A lot of people overreact. So if you turn on the news, if you turn on the radio, if you open up your social media feed, you're going to see people overreacting to what's happening right now as well. And the truth is, we do this with everything. Whether we're talking about sports, or politics, or the weather, or the coronavirus, we find ways to overreact to what's happening in the world around us. The question that I've been thinking about, and I want to invite you to think about as well, is for those of us, especially for those of us who call Jesus Lord, 
As followers of Jesus, how do we react? Or, or maybe the better question is, how do we respond in this moment? How do we react? How do we respond? And is it different? Does it look different in the way the world is reacting, in the way the world is responding around us? Uh, the good news is, as followers of Jesus, we have learned from Jesus exactly how we're supposed to respond. He's prepared us for this. In fact, he prepared us for this while he was still walking the planet. He taught his disciples how to respond whenever there's a crisis of any kind. Uh, throughout the series, we've been talking about the idea of love and how do we how do we live and how do we love different in this world, in this moment, in this time. And, and we've been looking to the Apostle John to learn from him. Uh, the Apostle John was one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. And, and even, even beyond that, he was, he was known as one of the three that were in the inner circle. There was, there was Peter, James, and John that seemed to be with Jesus everywhere. And then even beyond that, it said that John was the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loved. So if anyone can teach us what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, if anyone can, can tell us what it means to love the way Jesus calls us to love and to live the way Jesus calls us, calls us to live, I think it's the, the Apostle John. And we've been looking at his teachings in a letter that we call 1 John. But today, I want to back up to the Gospel of John. And I actually want to look at some of the words of Jesus, some of the most famous words of Jesus that were ever written down. And John was the one that wrote those down. So if you have your Bible or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, I would invite you today to, to get on that app and you can follow along. Open up the YouVersion app. You can click uh, more down in the right bottom of your screen. Then uh, click on the word events. And then you'll see Riverside Church of Christ. If you don't see it pop up, just search for it in the search window and you'll see this pop up. And you can click on and you can follow along there. John chapter 14. These are some of the most famous words that Jesus ever spoke. And I believe Jesus was there. John was there the night that Jesus spoke these words. Here's what Jesus said in John 14 verse 1. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Now, my guess is if you've ever been to a funeral or a memorial service or any, any setting like that where there's been a loss of life, you've probably heard these words read in, in that context. Because right after this, Jesus goes on to paint a beautiful picture of heaven and what heaven will be like, what heaven will look like, and what will happen when Jesus returns and Jesus makes all things right and all things new. And it's entirely appropriate that we read these words of Jesus in those kinds of moments. But that's not the context in which Jesus said these words. When Jesus spoke these words, he spoke them hours before he's about to go and face the cross. He's literally about to be arrested. Or arrested. He's about to be put on trial, falsely accused, made to carry his own cross, and then nailed to that cross. Not only that, but he and his disciples, they're gathered right here in Jerusalem, right outside of Jerusalem, when Jesus speaks these words. And so the disciples, they know this is a moment where they're facing a crisis. They know that there are people who are plotting to kill Jesus. They know that, that, that this is a moment full of danger. 
They know that they are putting their lives at risk just to be with Jesus. And so if they're going to stick with Jesus in this moment, they understand there's a risk. There, there is crisis in the air. So what are we going to do in this moment? And what is Jesus going to say in this moment? Into this moment full of fear, in this moment full of uncertainty, in this moment filled with the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen next. Jesus says these words. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And not only does Jesus choose to say these words in this moment, John is choosing to write these words so they can be read by the church at the end of the first century. And I want you to think about this. Uh, the church at this point in history is facing an incredible crisis of their own. The temple in Jerusalem has just been destroyed. There is more persecution on the way for people who are known as Christians, people who are known as followers of the way. They are facing a crisis of their own. And John knows this. And so he, he writes these words. He remembers these words of Jesus. What do we do as followers of Jesus? How do we respond in moments when there's a crisis? Oh, yeah, I remember. I was there the night that Jesus spoke these words, hours before he was arrested. Jesus said this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So the church reads these words at a time there's a crisis facing them. At a time when, when they're wondering, what does it mean for us to follow a, a Messiah who is no longer present? What does it mean for us to follow an absent Lord? Where is Jesus? John reminds them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. But John doesn't stop there. If you keep reading, you hear once again the reassuring words of Jesus that John writes down for us. When Jesus said this in verse 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You hear what Jesus is saying over and over again in this moment? Don't be troubled or afraid. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I think what Jesus saw in his disciples in this moment, hours before his arrest and his crucifixion. I think what maybe John saw in the lives and the hearts of believers in the first century church as they were facing a crisis and uncertain times of their own was this one core problem. In the middle of their crisis, they had a lack of trust in Jesus. So Jesus says, trust in God and trust also in me. And this, this is a time for trust. So do you believe that God is God? And do you believe that God is good? 
this past week was spring break for, for our kids. And every spring break, we have a tradition in our family where we take our kids camping. And we've done this almost every year uh, since I think our youngest daughter was two years old. And our kids love it. We only do it once a year because for my wife, camping is the Holiday Inn Express. So this is really, really uh, on the, the border of, of what, what she uh, likes to do. But we've committed to do this once a year. When I say we, we're going camping, like I literally mean we, we, we go find a place out in the woods, out in the middle of nowhere. We set up a tent and we camp. There's no devices. There's no screens. We, we tell the kids, we, we take all that away and we say, we're just going to unplug from all of that, you know, just for a few days. And so our kids, they start acting really strange. They, they, their behavior changes. They do weird things like they look at each other and they talk. It's just bizarre. Um, you know, they start going down to the creek and playing in the water. They, they start singing songs from their favorite movies at the top of their lungs in the middle of the night in the tent. And then they'll come out of the tent and they'll sit by the campfire and they'll look up at the stars and they'll, they'll find the different constellations. It's, it's strange, but it's awesome. And we love it. It's a chance for us to unplug from the world around us and really re-engage with each other in, in a very significant and, and meaningful way. But you can imagine uh, over this past week, as we sort of unplugged from the world, Alicia and I also sort of unplugged uh, from the world. And then Thursday, we wake up and we love, we pack up everything, pack up the tent, put it all in the back of the truck, and we start driving home. And as we're driving uh, home, uh, my wife, you know, sort of re-engages with the world. She starts checking her email again. She, she, she's looking at social media again, and she begins to realize, oh, oh. So a lot's happened in the last 24, 48 hours. A lot's happened in the last two or three or four days. And we're starting to get the news that, okay, this, this, this coronavirus, this is serious. And a lot's happening. And my son gets his phone. He started checking his, his news feed. He's checking all the sports. That's what he's into. And he realizes, Dad, the March Madness is canceled. The NBA is closing down. Like, like all the sports events are, are shutting down. And we begin to realize, oh, this is... This is significant. This is serious. And then I start getting phone calls from different people here at church, and they're asking, what are we doing? How are we going to respond? What do we do for this Sunday? What does it look like? What's everybody else doing? What, what do we need to do in this moment? We begin to realize, okay, there's a lot going on. This is, this is different. This is significant. This is, this is a crisis. And for us, at this point, now we're about an hour away from our house, and it's a moment where we're tired, and it would have been easy for fatigue and for fear to set in. But the night before, we had had our family devotional there in the tent, and, and I'd, I'd asked the kids, I said, hey, tell me, what are some of your favorite like worship songs right now? And, and tell, me, tell me what they are, and, and tell me why, why you like those. So about an hour out from the house, I said, hey, let's, let's just remind me, what are those songs, and let's, let's play those, let's listen to those. As we, as we sort of finish this drive home. So one of my kids says, hey, I really love that song, Raise a New Hallelujah, a song we've been enjoying here at our church recently. So we turned it on, and I was blown away by the lyrics as I listened in the middle of this moment that we're in. You remember the words to this song? I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. 
and I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Wow. In the middle of a moment filled with fear and anxiety and uncertainty and unknown, we're reminded that we can raise the hallelujah, a word that literally means praise Yahweh. Because death is defeated. Because hope will arise because our king is alive. Another one of my kids said, hey, play that song Famous For. I don't know about you, I had never even heard of that song. I'm like, all right, let's give it a listen. Famous For, here's the lyrics to that song. There is no fear, because I believe. There is no doubt, because I have seen. Your faithfulness, my fortress, over and over. I have a hope found in your name. I have a strength found in your grace. Your faithfulness, my fortress, over and over. Make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you're famous for, what you are famous for. Shut the mouths of lions. Bring dry bones to life and do what you're famous for, what you are famous for. I believe in you, God. I believe in you. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is God? And if you do, do you believe God is good? Because if you believe that God is who he says he is, it changes everything for you. And if you believe that God is good, it means you can trust him. You can trust him. If you believe God is good, and if you believe that God is good, then you can believe, and you can trust, and you can remember even in this moment or in any moment where you face fear or uncertainty or the unknown or crisis of any kind, the words of Jesus, don't be troubled or afraid. And that doesn't mean that we're not smart about what's going on in the world around us. It doesn't mean we don't listen to our doctors and our healthcare professionals. What it means is that we respond in appropriate ways. What it means is that we put the, the interest of others ahead of our own. What it means is that we live in unselfish ways. What it means is that, that we look for ways to lean in and put our trust and our hope and our confidence in God, and we look for ways to serve others, especially the weak and the marginalized. Why? Because this is love. It's trusting in God. It's putting our trust in his name and living our lives in service to others. So I don't know what you're afraid of today. I mean, there's a lot to be afraid of right now in the world around us. I don't know what you're afraid of, but my guess is that just like my kid some 10, 11, 12 years ago, when I took him to get his first haircut, he was terrified. My guess is that you, you can look at this situation in the same way and realize you don't have to be afraid because your father has already gone before you. Jesus could say, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
because he was about to literally go before them to the cross. And not only to the cross, but to the grave. And not only to the grave, but he would go before them to the resurrection. And he could say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. Why? Because I'm about to go ahead of you. I'm about to go before you. And you don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of the grave. Why? Because when you put your trust in God and you put your trust in me, then you have the hope of resurrection. And as people who live with the hope of resurrection, we have nothing to fear. And so Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And then do you know what his first words were to his disciples right after the resurrection? As soon as he saw them, the very first words he said were, peace be with you. His farewell was, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace. And then his first greeting was, peace be with you. Peace. The peace I give you is not the same peace the world can give you. This is a different kind of peace I'm leaving with you and I'm giving with you. So don't be troubled or afraid. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Today, today it's my prayer as a church, as a faith family, as we walk through these days of uncertainty together, that we would be a people that are full of faith, that we would be a people who believe, that we would be a people who, who trust, and that as the world reacts around us, they would see the church of Jesus Christ responding in a very different way. Responding out of a love and a concern for our neighbor, but also with an unwavering hope and confidence and trust in our God. And so today, it's my prayer for you and for your family that you would walk through these days with faith, with hope, with trust, with confidence, living lives of love, looking for ways to live different and love different because of the hope and the trust and the confidence we have. In Jesus Christ.